You're listening to the Look Right Naked podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bach. This is the podcast for men and women who want to look right naked without living in the gym. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Welcome in. It is Eric Bach with another episode of the Look Great Naked podcast coming in. And today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about recomposition, also known as losing body fat and building lean muscle, aka the holy grail when it comes to fitness. Now, before we do that, please do me a quick favor. Make sure you hit subscribe and drop me a five-star review if you are loving this podcast. That is exactly how we keep it free of annoying advertisements that ruin your experience. Now, let me kick things off by talking about about my favorite team of all time, my hometown, Green Bay Packers. And you must be wondering, what in the hell are we talking about the Green Bay Packers for on a podcast that is specifically going to be talking about recomposition, losing fat, and building muscle? Well, here's the deal. The Packers over the last couple of years have done what we call a straddle strategy. They're trying to do two things at one time, right? They've had Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and they've been trying to also build for the future. So on one hand, They've got Aaron Rodgers. They're trying to equip a team around him so they can make a big run, win a Super Bowl. And at the same time, drafting their quarterback of the future, taking guys who are going to take a little bit longer to develop so they can stay relevant for longer and longer. And not to complain about this one or the other, they had some decent results. They went to two NFC Championship games in a row, lost, and were a top two playoff seed for three years straight. They probably should have gotten and won at least one of those Super Bowls, but they never quite made it. And part of the reason is they didn't choose one direction and go all in in making it happen. If you look at most of the most recent Super Bowl winning teams, you know what they did? They put all their chips to the middle. They said, this is our year. We're going to get every single player that we can who cares about the future. We're going to mortgage it and we're going to make this happen right now and get a Super Bowl. And in some cases, they did. On the other hand, Green Bay has said, you know what? We aren't. We are going to keep as many of our good players as we can. We're going to sign Aaron Rodgers to this monstrous deal, and hopefully we win a Super Bowl. If we don't, well, then at least we have the future that looks fairly bright. And so by not optimizing for one of these goals in particular, here's where they're at. Got zero Super Bowls and $60 million in dead cap money that they can't spend this year. And so you might be wondering, what does this have to do with losing fat and building lean muscle? Well, recomposition is effectively straddling two strategies at once. When you're trying to recomp, building muscle and losing fat at the same time, you're not going to optimally lose body fat and you're not going to optimally build muscle either. So the big thing to understand here is your progress in both directions is going to be a little bit slower. Unless you master the five steps that I'm about to show you when it comes to recomposition. And today we're going to talk specifically about the training side of things. Now we're going to cover the five biggest mistakes that are keeping you from losing fat and building muscle. Mistake number one is picking the wrong workout training split. The worst thing you can do is be really inconsistent and never completing workout programs. And unfortunately, this is the vast majority of people. They find workouts on the internet, they pick and choose random different things together, throw that shit together in a mix, and hopefully it works. Next week, they find some new chest exercise, some new lower body exercise. They didn't really track their workout the previous week, so then they just throw this in the mix, and hopefully that is the next thing that helps them have more gains. The majority of people spin their wheels for months, if not years, just throwing random stuff together on the internet and hoping it's going to help them lose body fat and building lean muscle. Think of it this way. Let's imagine that you are teaching a course in whatever vocation is excellent for you. Now, if you're going to try to teach a group of 20 people how to do exactly what you do and you had no rhyme and no reason, just threw stuff at the wall, it might make a little bit of sense to you, but people 
would have no idea what the heck is actually going on or how to build skills that stack on top of each other and become proficient at whatever you're trying to teach. Well, a lot of people have this approach when it comes to their body. It's whatever seems interesting, whatever seems fun, whatever worked 10, 15 years ago and hoping that it applies now. It's simply not the case. And so if you want to be able to lose body fat and build muscle, first and foremost, you need a structured program and you need to finish complete programs without changing everything under the sun, right? And the reason is you have to develop the skill of training. When you develop the skill of training more effectively, that in itself can help a lot of people recomp. I've seen so many people that have been training for 5, 10, 15 years, but without any real direction. And when they get on an actual program, something like the Minimalist Muscle Blitz or our Look Great Naked Protocol, then because there's a structure, because everything is sequenced correctly, because they are progressively overloading their tissues, they are building the skill set of training and they lose fat and build lean muscle. Now, if we want to look a little bit more directly, what we want to do here is we want to train muscle groups multiple times per week. This means for most people, a body part split is not going to be the best option. The best option for the vast majority of people when it comes to recomping is going to be an upper lower training split. And so what does this look like? Let's say you're training four days a week for 45 minutes. An upper lower training split would have one day upper body, next day lower body, upper lower, say Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. An upper body workout, the first one, this could look like this. Ready? Get your notes out. Incline dumbbell bench press, four sets of six to eight reps. Single arm dumbbell overhead press to hit your shoulders, four sets of eight to 10 reps. Single arm dumbbell row, four sets of six to eight reps. Chin up or a lat pull down, four sets of eight to 10 reps. And then finally, what's it? One isolation exercise. We'll hit your biceps today. That will be an incline dumbbell biceps curl three times 12 to 15 reps. That would be your first day. Your next day, lower body, okay? What we're going to do here is we're going to hit more of a quad-focused workout on the first one. And so in this workout, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to be a squat variation of your choice. It could be a front squat, back squat, or box squat. We're going to go four sets, six to eight reps. Second exercise, a single leg dumbbell Romanian deadlift. Hit the posterior chain, build stability, build your body from the ground up four sets, eight to 10 reps. Third exercise, a dumbbell Bulgarian split squat. I'm sorry, you're going to hate me. Four sets, eight to 10 reps. Fourth exercise, a stability ball leg curl or a machine leg curl. And then finally, we're going to finish out with a leg extension, some isolation work to bring out those quads. Boom. First two workouts are right there. Now the second one, what we're going to do for the second time around, we're just going to switch some of those main core exercises with similar movement patterns. So an upper body workout could look as follows. You could have something like a cable row to get started. Second exercise could be a cable chest press. Third exercise, again, we're keeping rep set rep schemes very similar, could be a 75 degree incline dumbbell bench press. And then the fourth exercise could be a chest supported dumbbell row because we hit biceps on that first upper body day. Now we're gonna hit an, an isolation exercise for your triceps. Awesome. Cable tricep push down, three sets, 12 to 15 reps. Finally, that last day of the week, that second lower body session, because that first one was quad dominant. Now we're gonna go posterior chain dominant. So the first exercise, a barbell Romanian deadlift. Second exercise, a dumbbell goblet squat or a leg press. Third exercise, we'll go back and we'll hit another posterior chain exercise. It could be a hip thrust, a kettlebell swing, something specific for the glutes. Fourth exercise, we're going to hit another lunge pattern. You're going to do a dumbbell reverse lunge. Then the fourth exercise, hey, let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's do some bike intervals. You're going to go 
10 seconds hard, 50 seconds off. I'm going to do that for 10 minutes straight. And then there's some conditioning and individual work for you. But when we do something where we're hitting multiple muscle groups two to three times per week, every time that you train, you're increasing muscle protein synthesis. And if you're natural, this only spikes for 36 hours post-workout. So if you can theoretically break up your volume a little bit more over the course of the week, and then you increase that muscle protein synthesis multiple times, we're creating more of an overall impetus to be able to grow without crushing your body with volume that it can't recover from, like you often see in individual body part splits. So that's exactly how I would train regarding the training split for recomposition. The second big mistake I see with recomposition-based workouts, way too much interval training, high-intensity interval training. Now, a lot of people will say, you know what? I want to lose body fat, so the first thing I'm going to do is increase cardio because I'm going to burn more calories. Well, the problem with cardio and burning calories is this. It's not that effective. And second, your body becomes, as your body becomes more efficient at a particular type of exercise, it burns fewer calories to do the same amount, which leaves many people on an impossible vertical of spiking interval training up and cardiovascular exercise up, up, and up to the point where it's not practical or sustainable for what they have. In addition, when you dramatically increase cardio, specifically stuff at higher intensity, you're also going to increase overall stress on the body. You're going to increase appetite. You're going to have slower recovery from the weight training workouts that are really the most important aspect for transforming your physique. And when we combine more stress, more cravings, less recovery, what happens? People tend to self-sabotage directly with their diet when they take cardio too high. Now, this isn't to mean that cardio itself is, is bad because there are so many different variations of it. But what I like to actually focus on is reducing the amount of high intensity interval training and cardio for a lot of people in the very beginning. Instead, what people do much better with is actually more zone two, lower intensity cardio. One of the reasons that we want to go zone one and zone two is this can actually improve overall health. It's less stressful on the body. It's going to improve mitochondrial function, helping your body break down both carbohydrates and fats more effectively which is going to help you with things like nutrient partitioning. So how well your body breaks down different nutrients, shoots them out, and then can use them again as fuel, right? So you don't just need to add a ton of interval training and cardio. A lot of times this can actually be somewhat problematic if it increases stress, increases cravings, because it's going to be so much easier if you end up, you know, having a couple of scoops of peanut butter when you're craving something at night than it is to burn that peanut butter back off through your training. Now, the flip side, mistake number three is doing no cardio at all. This was a huge kind of battle for years. The fitness industry is so bizarre, right? It just goes in these fucking cycles of this thing is in, this thing is out, right? Uh, you know, cardio's in, cardio's out. Bodybuilding style training is in, bodybuilding style training is out. High volume training is in, high volume training is out. Carnivore is in, carnivore is out, right? It just runs in these infinite cycles. And if you're around long enough, you can really start to see what works, what doesn't, and what's marketing bullshit that makes everything else really fucking confusing. Anyway, that aside, problem number three is doing no cardio at all. And battle here is, listen, cardio is incredibly important for overall health and longevity. In fact, you know, almost nothing matches up to your VO2 max. It's the max amount of oxygen your body can consume and use at the cellular level for longevity than the VO2 max. Muscular strength, also very important. But your ability to be cardiovascularly fit is crucial across the board. However, when it comes to body composition, it's always crucial to remember if you want to lose fat and you want to build muscle, that weight training is the entree, cardiovascular exercise is your appetizer. It's not the main draw here, right? And so what I like to do is break up cardiovascular exercise when you're trying to lose fat and build muscle into simple tiers. The first tier is getting to eight to 10,000 steps per day. This is going to be crucial because when you're getting those steps up, it's going to help you just stay in a line more active throughout the day. 
this is going to be good for fat loss. And when you consider that the average American gets four to 5,000 steps per day, which is below seven to 8,000, which is kind of the baseline amount you should be looking for to receive health benefits. Well, no wonder, right? Because if we skip this step and just add a bunch of high intensity work in there, well, our bodies still are not that active overall. And because we don't have a baseline level of activity and fitness, your body is going to struggle to actually recover and maximize the work put in with those higher intensity measures. So work your way up to eight to 10,000 steps per day. Some of the basic recommendations I have for my clients would be go for three 10 to 15 minute walks, one for breakfast around sunrise, one after lunch, and one after dinner. This is a great way in the morning to wake your body up and set your circadian rhythm for better sleep. At lunch and after dinner, it's a great way to sneak some activity into your day when you're starting to feel lethargic and it can actually improve postprandial insulin sensitivity. So how well your body's actually taking the carbohydrates, the food that you're consuming and breaking it up and digesting it and using it as fuel, right? So this is a very simple way to improve nutrient partitioning, but also burn a few more calories, improve overall health and mental wellness. One of the best things that, that we've done as a family is actually in the evening is go for walks as a family. It's fun. And then my daughter, she's learning that this is an important thing for her to be able to do, getting time outside, time with mom and dad and the dog. It's an excellent thing you can do as a family. So get those eight to 10,000 steps first. Try adding walks, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That'll be a great foundational thing to get started. Now, let's say you're following a recomposition training program. You're getting those eight to 10,000 steps and you have the time and you want to ramp it up a little bit. The second thing I would focus on here is what we call zone two cardio. So zone two cardio, just above zone one, below zone three. And essentially what zone two is, this is an intensity where it's a little bit high, but it's low enough where you can still hold a conversation like this. It's more or less the amount of oxygen your body can consume before it jumps into what we call anaerobic metabolism and fatigue starts to build up. Lactate can you know start to build up directly in our legs and fatigue sets in. So zone two is simple. You can do this rhythmically on a bike. Um, a lot of people can't do this actually with running. It's too intense for their body. But any type of cardiovascular equipment, you can even rotate through some bodyweight exercises as long as you're staying rhythmic and keeping your heart rate consistent. As far as your heart rate, here's what I would set it up at. Take notes on this. So take your age or 220 minus your age. You're going to take that number and you're going to multiply it by 0.6 or 0.7. That's going to give you your target heart rate. So for example, I'm 34, 220, 186 times 0.6 or 0.7. That means my target heart rate for the duration of this cardiovascular exercise stays between 110 and 135. Cardio tends to get lumped into just cardio or high intensity interval training, but we want to stay low enough here where we can maintain this output anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes twice per week. And again, the very simple test here is if you're doing this activity, you should be able to breathe through your nose and or maintain a conversation at the same point. Um, interestingly enough, there was a test back, this is way back, an exercise physiology class back, uh, back in good old UW-Eau Claire, but the talk test, if you cannot hold a conversation when you talk, you're above what we call that anaerobic threshold and your activity is actually verging into high intensity. So a good way to see if you're training at a low enough intensity to achieve the benefits of that zone two cardio are to be able to hold a conversation while you're doing that exercise, right? And again, one thing that's important to understand here is when you do that zone two work, when you keep the intensity low enough, it's crucial because it's going to allow your body to recover quicker. It's going to teach it to use fuel substrates from the food that you're eating more effectively. It's going to allow you to recover quicker between sets. And then when you start to add in things like high intensity interval training, that heart rate, after you spike it by going all out, it's actually going to be able to recover 
and come back down so you can continue to actually perform at say of zone four or zone five with your cardiovascular exercise. A lot of people jump right into high intensity interval training, but they have actually no baseline of cardio in the first place. And so they go out, they train intense, and then they're absolutely fucking smoked after one or two intervals. And then they can't actually maintain the high intensity interval training. And it's just the same as staying in like zone three, like when you're jogging, right? So it's important to build that foundation. But let's say you're advanced now. Okay, you've got tier one, you've got your steps. You've got tier two, you've got your zone two cardio. Now, like, hey, let's ramp this thing up. Well, first, what I would recommend is check out Look Great Naked podcast number nine with my guy, Jason Brown. He does an incredible job breaking down different cardiovascular training zones and his conjugate training method, which helps you build muscle and strength while improving overall conditioning and cardiovascular function. So make sure you check that one out. But when we want to start getting some high intensity interval training, here are some baseline recommendations. So one to two times per week, a lot of times I'll replace one of the zone two days with the higher intensity day. So we're going to hit zone four. That's going to be 80 to 90% of your heart rate. So Calculate those numbers again, like I showed you. And really here, it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes total work. And you're going to do 30 to 60 seconds of intervals. So here's exactly what this could look like. You could set up an every minute on the minute type circuit. So you could do 30 seconds of step ups, 30 seconds of TRX rows, 30 seconds of kettlebell snatches, and 30 seconds on an air bike. And then you rest on the fifth minute. Or another option could be 30 seconds on an inclined treadmill run, 30 seconds on a bodyweight exercise like a mountain climber, 30 seconds back on the air bike, 30 seconds on the rower, and then you rest two minutes. Basically what we're gonna be doing here, you're performing exercise at a much higher intensity, but then the rest allows you to partially recover, but the duration of the overall workout has to be a bit shorter because we're accumulating fatigue directly in those muscles. But what this can do beyond the calories in, calories out perspective, it can teach your body to be able to perform at a higher capacity, even in states of fatigue, which is gonna be crucial to continue pushing your training to the limit across the board. So to reiterate, what should you do for cardio? First, understand that cardio itself is not the main driver. It is a side dish, it's an appetizer, it is that second side of broccoli, that second side of bacon Brussels sprouts that are always so good at every fucking steakhouse that I go to. That's what this is, but it's not the steak. And the first step is get those 10,000 steps per day. Next step, add in two, two times of a zone two cardio each week. Once you're here, switch out one of those zone two days with a high intensity interval training. Altogether, that can be two interval training or cardiovascular focused days in addition to your training. That's gonna help you use that fuel that you're putting in your body, your food a lot more effectively and improve overall health and exercise performance. Body recomposition mistake number four is training primarily for performance and not aesthetics. Now, this is a huge issue that I see particularly with former athletes. You see, when you're an athlete, a lot of times when you're training, you're just focused on lifting as heavy as you can, jumping as high as you can, executing the lift or whatever's in front of you to hit the number of reps or the weight that's on the bar. When you're training for performance, it's a, or when you're training for aesthetics, it's a little bit different. Think about it this way. Training for performance is about making heavy weight feel light. Training for aesthetics is about making lighter weights feel heavy. In other words, when you're training for performance, you're trying to have power, strength, generate as much force as you can while keeping form good so you're safe, obviously. But when you're trying to train for aesthetics, you want to be able to feel that muscle contract. You want to be able to feel every inch of every aspect of the rep to maximize the muscle contraction, the stress that you put directly on the muscle so you can trigger lean muscle growth. And this is an incredibly crucial component that so many people struggle with, especially when they come from an athletic background. 
I was no different. Shit, I wanted to power clean, squat, deadlift, all this stuff heavy all the time, but pretty soon I wondered, how come my body's not changing? The reality is you can do exercises, but the way that you execute the exercise plays a huge role in how exactly your body's gonna react to it. So a couple baseline things I want you to understand. When you're primarily training for aesthetic changes, you can still have like a key performance lift. So you're trying to get stronger in a bench, squat, deadlift, press, whatever it is, train that one for strength. But the vast majority of your work needs to be around challenging your muscles, not just setting PRs on the lift. And so what I like to focus on and how I cue my clients, both in person and online, is we're going under control. Take two to four seconds to lower that weight under control. Own every inch of every rep. Do not bounce out of the bottom. And when you're pressing up, imagine squeezing that muscle together as hard as you can. A quick example would be on a bench press, right? So you got a double bench press, you're tucking that elbow at like a 45 degree angle, which you can see directly here on camera. No bounce on the bottom. And when you come back up, you're imagining your hands are still staying a couple inches apart, but trying to squeeze your nipples. Yep. Squeeze your nipples together to really fire up your pecs and get the best muscle contraction that you can at any given time. So again, there's a definitive difference between training for performance and training for physique, the way that you execute a lift. It doesn't mean that you can't improve performance or improve muscle by training in one different way. However, the way that we coach it, it's yes, let's get fired up. Let's train your central nervous system and get strong with kind of our power primer lift and our key indicator lift of the day. But after that, when it comes to the, the aesthetics and the reps start to increase, it's all about maximizing that muscle contraction. When you maximize the power of the muscle contraction, you create so much better of a muscle building response. And as that training gets more effective, you're going to start to recruit more muscle fibers. It's going to create more soreness and actual tension directly in the muscle. And that in itself can start to change and drive some body composition changes. Recomposition training mistake number five, changing exercises way too often. Listen, muscle confusion is a myth. You do not need to change exercises to keep your body guessing. In fact, the more you change your exercises, the worse your training is likely to be. Think about it this way. Let's imagine you're trying to learn a skill. You're trying to learn a new language. What happens if you never practice what you're learning repeatedly and just instead try to learn new words every single time out? Well, chances are you're going to get a lot of surface level knowledge, but you're never going to really build depth of language acquisition. You're never going to be able to be skilled when it comes to developing that skill, that language, whatever you're after. Yet somehow this is lost on people when it comes to exercise. They want to add everything from the kitchen sink, everything they're seeing from TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, whatever the fuck, and add it to every single workout. And then they wonder why it's not working. What we have to do is think about treating strength training like a skill. And to develop a skill, you have to do the same things consistently and focus on improving the quality of the rep that you're getting every step of the way. The reason we have to do this is simple. First, when you develop the skill of an exercise, it's going to allow you to use more weight over time because your technique changes. As your technique improves, as you can use more weight and more time, this allows you to actually shift your focus from just doing the exercise and learning how to do it to actually connecting with your muscles. For example, when I first got started with a squat, I probably looked like a drunk baby giraffe trying to step that thing out and do an awkward ass squat with my knees going everywhere, the bar dancing, all of this stuff, right? But now when I do a squat, I can adjust very simple things. I can, t if I feel a little bit of stiffness, I can externally rotate my feet just a little bit. If I want to be a little bit more quad dominant, I can narrow my stance and have my toes a little bit more forward. If I want to do it for speed and develop some explosive capabilities, I can lighten the weight 
and be very explosive. If I want to maximize the muscle building capabilities of it, I can slow down the eccentric, add in a pause, overload some eccentrics, and do all of these more advanced methods with it because I've mastered that movement pattern itself. And so what happens is a lot of people see advanced tactics, advanced tools, and think, this shit looks really fucking cool. I'm going to add it directly into my workout, but they never develop the baseline skills and foundations that they need to actually make these things worth it. Can you see that big difference there? And what you need to think about is whenever you're doing your training, you have to treat it like building a skill. And this is why it's so important to be present and focused on what you're doing. And every single person has unique anatomy where certain exercises are going to work for you and they're just not going to work for somebody else and vice versa. And it's important, yes, to find the exercises that do work well for you and that you master the technique in them and then you build the skill directly. But where most people mess up though is they just get excited. They see something new. They want to add it in. They treat exercise like it's always going to be fun, which listen, the fun component is important, but you have to find what works first because we are after a goal. We are after a task. And generally speaking, the more you change exercises, the more exercise variations directly in a workout. First, it's probably going to be a little bit longer, but it's going to be more stressful on your body. And for the vast majority of people that I see today, especially since 2020, we're not even going to go into detail on that. More people are stressed out than ever before. Their body doesn't respond to things like they did before. They have all the signs of excess cortisol, a lot of cravings, stress, unable to stay focused on a task at hand, brain fog, self-sabotage, all of these things. And so if your training is adding more stress and you're not focused on improving the process, you're just adding stuff in and it's not working. The reality is you probably need to simplify because if you're changing things too often, you're not developing a skill and you're actually creating more stress on your body without creating a better muscle building response or a fat burning response. So simplify and execute. The vast majority of the workouts that I see, that I design, that the best coaches in the world design, they don't have a million exercises. Most after the warmup, they might have five to eight exercises and they generally take 50 to 60 minutes. Your exercise workouts and your routines are extremely complicated with a ton of different variations. It takes way too long and you can't stick with it, it's not sustainable, then you need a new workout program, right? Ultimately, success doesn't come from the latest gimmicks, the latest gadgets, craziest routine, or just mindlessly adding things to your workout. Success comes from the ruthless execution of the basics. And that begins with treating strength like a skill. And that comes from getting better at the key exercises that are gonna help drive the biggest changes in your physique. If you stick with that path consistently, if you consistently get stronger, if you improve the quality of the reps that you're focusing on, that's gonna make such a big difference, not only the way that you perform, but in your body's ability to lose body fat and build lean muscle. Now let's bring this thing full circle. What exactly does a recomposition training program look like? Okay, so in the beginning I covered, we have an upper lower training split. We're gonna lift weights Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Cool. Now, let's say you've got your 10,000 steps. That's your cardio, your baseline cardio. Now you want to add some zone two cardio. What I would do here is on Wednesdays and Saturdays, I would add those zone two days. Those can be very simple. Workouts take 30 minutes tops. You're getting active and you are ready to go out the door. That way you still get a full day's worth of recovery across the board. Now, taking a step back and looking at the training itself, right? Five exercises per workout, you don't necessarily need anything more than that. Anything more, and if you're changing exercises too often, it becomes far too complicated. And when you're talking rep schemes, here are my favorites. Five by five, four by six, three times 10, eight, six, so a descending rep scheme, or even four by eight. But the sweet spot when it comes to building strength and muscle really seems to be between five to 10 to 12 reps. 
Anything more than that, you start to tap into more local muscular endurance, and that can be fine for isolation type work. But anything heavier than that, it's going to be too performance-based, and you're not going to be able to create enough combination of tension and metabolic stress directly in your muscles to create that remodeling effect that you're looking for. So ultimately, is it possible to lose body fat and build lean muscle? It is. It's going to be slower than going all in towards fat loss or all in towards muscle growth. So you have to set your expectations with that in mind. And the biggest battle that most people face is they expect to build muscle as fast as possible and lose fat as fast as possible. Well, simply that's not going to happen because you're sending your body conflicting signals with the way that you're training and with your nutrition. So overall, stick to the process. Recomposition can definitely happen, but you have to have the training in alignment with what your goals are specifically, as well as your recovery, and as well as your nutrition. Now, if you want a step-by-step plan to build lean muscle and lose body fat without living in the gym, grab our minimalistmuscleblitz.com. That is minimalistmuscleblitz.com, and you can also find it over at bachperformance.com. Gang, and that is a wrap for today. That is the five mistakes you need to avoid and what you do need to focus on when it comes to body recomposition, how to lose fat, and build lean muscle. If you like this episode, make sure you drop us a five-star review, or if you're checking us out on YouTube, drop us a comment. Let me know what you liked, and we will keep these episodes coming at you. All right, have a good day. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, before you go, I have a really cool gift for you. If you want to look right naked, and I'm assuming you do because you're listening to this podcast, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training to join over 1,100 successful men and women in getting a step-by-step training to look great naked without living in the gym. 